kind of brave. We had uh, the Zephyrs. Have you ever heard of the Zephyrs? Farm team. And we, I mean, we were straight. Yeah, so that's, I mean, I went to a couple of Zephyrs games when I was a kid. Don't really remember them. <laughs> but uh, that's where my first memories of baseball are. And I think that's who we root for. We do root for the Braves too, though. Minor league baseball is wild. Like even like 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 professional baseball, they do a lot of stuff just to fill time. And minor league baseball is just is out of control. Just all of the, like the non the non sports related stuff that they do in order to keep the audience engaged through like nine innings. I feel except for when like you know, I guess the golden era was when Michael played. Like I, I wish that I paid attention during that time. That would have probably been fun to watch. To watch the new Space Jam is coming out, and I had forgotten that mm. that is like a major plot point in the original Space Jam is the fact that he is a baseball player and they're trying to bring him back to play basketball. You know, that's very funny. I never even thought about the plot like that because it was one of those movies where obviously I watched it when I was like six years old, but that was really lost on me, other than the fact that like I he had to win to basically save all of these like star athletes that had lost their powers and it was like in a way all convincing for him to get back on the court and play for the nba it's kind of hilarious not gonna lie but i mean i think that i think that uh the new space jam is gonna be crazy it looks dope when jordan was playing baseball people were making fun of him you know because he's like this professional athlete and he was playing the minors but obviously Mm -hmm. like you know you have to have a certain amount of skill to even playing the minors the expectations that you have on a professional athlete are totally shift like 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 tebow was playing for the for the uh the mets minor league team Mm -hmm. and it's like you still have to be an extremely good and one of the best players in the world to even get to the minor league level right and you're also when you become a professional athlete in any sport like you you know your workouts and the type of repetition that you have in terms of what you're using your body for for that sport is completely non-transferable. Like, you know what I mean? Or most sports, even field sports. And as you can see with baseball and like football with Tebow or like, you know, especially basketball and baseball, like you're, and they said that in, they mentioned that in the last dance too, where, you know, you're you're using different muscles. He's not really able to, it's not like shooting a basketball, even if he has the hand-eye coordination to hit a ball, you're using your back muscles. You're using all these different muscles that are, not developed in the same way as professional baseball players. So it's different. So you're in New Orleans now? Uh, No, right now I'm actually in Los Angeles. Ironically, you caught me. That's like my background. Yeah, I'm in a hotel, man. I just... I was like, either you've got a very hotel-looking bedroom. That would be wild. Um, But no. With the four water bottles next to the bed there? I know, right? It's just like, no, I like like for my room to have a double bed. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. Stay hydrated as you move from bed to bed. (laughs) <laughs> keeps me close to my friends while we stay hydrated. I, I'm i actually back in LA uh, moving some stuff. I'm planning to move some more stuff. I had a studio and uh, also my apartment here, but just reorganizing some stuff. So I'm spending the next week doing that and then going back to New Orleans where we're working on some stuff for global warming still. Um, the campaign is going strong. Uh, and yeah, so you caught me like right in, I literally got here today. You are back in Los Angeles in order to move more of your Los Angeles stuff to New Orleans. It's a permanent move. Yes. Currently right now, I think New Orleans is, there's a need for what we're doing in the city. And I think that there's something that's super passionate about not just what I want to do there, but every artist that I've been blessed to work with while I've been down there these past five months since I moved back. 
it seems like we're all on a similar accord of how we want to push the narrative for black music, you know, hip hop music and um, just modern music at large. And I feel like I'm, I'm glad to be a part of that. When you talk about pushing the narrative, is it just the creation of music or is it, is it something beyond that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's all one in the same when I, when I, when I mentioned that, I think I'm thinking about it in terms of one, the business side, um, because that's where I think more of the need is for like in terms of a different structure. Clearly, New Orleans is not at a lack of like talent or diversity when it comes to artists and musicians and, you know, everybody that's a creative visual artist as well. I think that that's been something that we've been known for, but we've also been known for being like poached, you know what I mean? And our talent being taken and going to LA like myself, like other bigger artists like PJ Morton's, the Baptiste, the other artists that have notoriety in their specific fields that aren't able to sustain themselves in New Orleans or weren't able to sustain themselves in New Orleans. Um, I think that that's slowly changing. But yeah, I think more so I always think about with the new New Orleans and the inf- the infrastructure that we're building in the city. By, uh, it's for us, by us, FUBU. Love it. And I think that it's really, it's, it's, it's great to be, it's great to be a part of it. And because of the way that I'm able to see it and be there on a day-to-day basis, it channels a different part of my mind. Whereas like, you know, with quarantine, when it first started and obviously the idea for the global warming project, which uh, was um, initially an idea for me to make a bunch of music with my friends um, and put it under an alias that we all could represent each other and nobody really had um, full autonomy over the collective, turned into a big 20 plus, 30 plus artists, producers, managers, um, videographers, uh, content creators coming together all from New Orleans to make something big. And I think during that process, even during this past year, I've just fell in love with my purpose and kind of found my purpose in the music that I've been making for the past five years. Cause I always have been a fan of making healing music and music to heal and to live your life to, you know, I always say that I make the Monday through Thursday music. I make the music to get you through the week. And I think when I had friends that were doing similar things and maybe we all didn't have a platform locally for that to get the recognition that it needed or even have the financial backing so that people could have the 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 amount of reach that they needed. I think that we we all came together for a, a common goal and that was to raise the platform for artists like myself and artists that are recorded artists, not just live performers that were missing out on that money during the pandemic. So I think it's an ongoing struggle and an, on, an everyday struggle, but we now are building an institution in community that is allowing us to, and people like myself, to feel comfortable living in New Orleans. When you talk about kind of lack of opportunity, or at least lack of the ability to really sort of take things to the next level in terms of going mainstream in a, in a city like New Orleans, is it is there something specific to New Orleans, or is it just being in a city that isn't New York or Los Angeles? Um, I think there's other cities that do it. I think you have Atlanta. I think you have some parts of Florida that do it well. You have, you mentioned New York and Los Angeles, Nashville. I think there's, there's, 
cities that have great music business infrastructures that allow people to from top to bottom i'm talking about like when it comes to on the recorded side like once again specifically like there's not just an artist there's a producer there's a recording engineer there's a mixing engineer there's somebody that's if this is you know a bigger project maybe a writer maybe you have uh somebody who is in the room as a runner or somebody who there's a manager to that project there's pr there's all these parts of a team that goes into this initial idea that the creative has and getting it to the world that if the market is in recorded music is too small for everybody to be sustainable or everybody's job to be sustainable with the projects that are coming through in the city and the type of payment that they're getting to to support themselves, it won't exist. And we've seen that while we have these talents and we have these people that could wear these different hats, they're not able to commit to this industry and therefore build the industry within the city because that top to bottom infrastructure isn't supporting everyone that's a part of it. It's really supporting maybe the artists if they can perform these songs and the managers and the talent buyers, like, and, and, you know, if, if you insert the live part of it, um, you know, the sound engineers, whoever those are on the live side, but think about the recorded side, all these people who are a part of how it's presented to you may see less than a hundred dollars. You know what I mean? And that's just not accepted. As a, you know, as, as an MC, as a, I, I think, you know, in some ways kind of the, the ringleader of this project, what role can you play specifically in building out that infrastructure? Um, I think it just comes down to accountability. And like, I feel like using my personal career as um, a vehicle for any artist that wants to work together and that has, you know, committed to being a part of this project. Um, I think that maintaining those relationships and being like very transparent, because if you're not honest about where you are, and I've made a lot of missteps, I feel like in my career on the business side, because we taught each other how to hustle, me and my friends. It wasn't like Pell had this big manager, Pell had this big look from the jump. It's like, no, 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 we grinded this shit out. And you were young. Yeah, and yeah, exactly, that too. So it's like, I think oftentimes, you know, artists aren't real with themselves and real with those people around them, but the older you get, that that stays away, right? So it's kind of like, you if you can't be- If you're lucky. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you said I'm lucky. No, but if you're not honest with where you are, you're not gonna be able to get the help you need in order to go sure. where you wanna go. So like, I think that me acknowledging that within myself, I understand the value that I may have in terms of not just connections or relationships, but like, honestly, with my story and how I've seen things play out um, in order to help more up and coming artists that are a part of this collective and uh, the the sea of artists in New Orleans at, at large to view things different. It's, it's offering a different perspective. Do you get a sense of what kind of an impact moving to Los Angeles had? I mean, is, is that sort of a, what did that play a role in you're having a sort of more of a popular breakthrough? Uh, yeah, I think, I think for sure. I think not necessarily the move, but more so the, I think the, the time in which I moved to LA, there was a certain energy and spirit for what I was doing that hadn't been seen in, in, in New Orleans. So it, it, it allowed for New Orleans to rally behind what I was doing because I got a lot of the looks that I had while I was in LA and, and et cetera, while I was in New Orleans, still like, you know, the first tour 
first major tour that I was on, like a tour bus tour that I was supporting, was like G Easy. And I was doing that in New Orleans. There was Kindness. I went on tour with um, Kehlani. And this was before I had moved to LA. I think a lot of this was just off the strength of the momentum. And I think LA kind of, it's hard to say. I do think that you know, it, it's helped, but I also am one of those people who likes to play devil's advocate where I feel like I could have done the same shit in New Orleans. I think that it was just, it's, I'm glad that it's a part of my journey and it's a part of why I was able to have a different perspective coming back. Like I just talked about in terms of the infrastructure, like in seeing that top to bottom infrastructure, like that exists in LA. And therefore I know what the value is of every person attached to or attributed to a band or an artist project and what it takes to to build that infrastructure is something that obviously I'm not going to spend my every waking moment trying to build but at least on an artist level trying to give that perspective to every artist so that they understand how you should take care of your engineer your graphic artist whoever's making your art if it's not you and whoever's doing your videos whoever's you know pushing your record so that we can all build each other up and we can all raise the platform and the bar and the 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 industry around it is there a sense of community in a place like la where you know it's it's really diasporic in a sense of like everybody really moving from all over the place to be there can community exist in the same way that exists where you're from no I don't think that it can exist in the same way. I think it's its own animal. Like I think even LA has its own, because every city is different. I think LA has its own community and there's people that are from LA that have linked in LA that know each other from birth and from high school, middle school, whatever, uh, college that have built these, that aren't transplants, that have built like great, you know, pieces of art and great communities around their art. You know what I mean? You look at even... You could even use like I guess like a, a odd future, or you could use uh, some members from like the TDE. Like you, you could use like a lot of different collectives that created these communities that were well, didn't create the communities, but created these labels based off the communities that already existed out here. But I do think with the the second half of that, which is talking about the the diasporic or whatever the the fact that people are coming from everywhere. That part has a community of itself. There is that transplant community that a lot of the people that I've worked with aren't from LA. A lot of the people that I've worked with are really amazing individuals, but they 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 weren't like bred to make music. It was like they followed their passion. They came here and then met up with and steal, sharpen, steal other people and form this community of like just making sure that you get better music or better results for what you do. So there is like a community in that, but it's not embedded or the foundation is not in being a transplant. I don't think, I don't know. It's it's, it's difficult. I, I live in New York now and, and mm-hmm. New York and Los Angeles are pretty infamous for, in a lot of ways, a lot of industries really kind of being cutthroat in, in perhaps ways that you don't see in other places. I mean, did you, did you find that to be the case that there was just so much competition there that it was difficult to build people up and to build be built up by others in LA. I don't think that I I saw that, but that, that's all, or I don't see that as much just because of my circle. I think that like I've been very careful in terms of who I let into my life, and that in turn has created a sense of value to me of what I do, a self worth that I have that 
makes it less comparative and more collaborative. I think when you think of LA, it's less comparative, more collaborative. When you think of New York, it may be a little bit more competitive. I think there's a sense of collaboration in LA that makes it why people want to come here uh, often. And that's the part that I like about LA. That's the reason why, like, you know, I've been here this long and that's why, you know, a lot of great things have come from being here in, in that in that regard, because even though it's cutthroat and even, you know, there's there's big money being spent, there's a bigger industry out here, there's a bigger industry in New, in New York, there's, because of that, there's, there's different levels, right? Because it's a bigger industry, like, that idea of cutthroat only exists for this percentile, like, you know what I mean? If in terms of if we're talking about superstardom or having a specific type of deal, there's a certain type of competition for that, right? But as you trickle down in terms of what people actually want out of their you know, music career, I think that that competition turns into collaboration to where you find your niche and people work together more so than cut each other out of opportunities. It's a small, it's a small business. Like, you know what I mean? I think you, it, it would behoove you to have friends. Have you turned down opportunities because you feel like you know they would sort of alienate some of that community that you built around yourself yeah yes um yes and and only because i think a lot of the reasons why i turned down things i think i turned down more on my come up than like at where i'm at now where um i feel like i'm more open because i think it you know the music industry changes every year but i think to preserve that community, um, sometimes I did want to make sure that I knew what I was doing in terms of entering in if I wanted to, you know, say, entertain a deal, a record deal or publishing or anything, um, an agency. Like it had to be something that I felt aligned with me because I was a blank slate. Like, and the community that existed with me was just because of, like I said, the, the locale, like people that I knew from New Orleans, people that I knew from the South. When I came out here, I was hanging out with people from the South that we like, you know, that we met or like that I knew me and my managers, my producers, we all had friends that we had been connected with because of, you know, the, the proximity. At a certain point, you have to start making decisions on, on a personal level and not in the, on a community level. And that's when you become more open to looking out for yourself. And that's, that's with anything, but Definitely with me, I've, I said no first and then started saying yes after. I suspect this is something that you, along with basically the rest of the world, has been thinking about a lot over the past year. How important is it to actually be in a location when it comes to doing the work that you do? Wow. Great question. I think it's I think it's very important because I think in, in terms of on in it for coming from a musician, I think it's very important solely because a lot of the creative work is mental. And if you're not in a good space, and that means a physical space, it, it can, you know, trickle down to your mental space and your mental fortitude and your creative spirit. And I think that that's why a lot of people love LA. That's why people rush here because I can go to the beach, I can go to the mountains. There's so much inspiration around me. There's like, Literally, as a Californian who moved out here, and a lot of my friends have since gone back to LA. Every time I visit LA and I see them, you are so much healthier. You you look yeah. so much better than you did when you're out here. You oh, just like this oh. is clearly a good decision for your body. Yeah, my first. Uh, it's funny because like the the first person like I dated when I came down here actually 
was like allergic to gluten and like something else was allergic to yeah and that's a whole nother conversation right but like i was allergic to like other things like that i had never heard of before and like then i realized that there was like cafe gratitude there were like these restaurants and all these other like vegan spots and that were so accessible that i was just like wait cali is on some whole other shit like when it comes to that's you know 21 year old me talking i'm just like what like this, this is how y'all eat. What do you mean Beyond Burger? Before it was a thing. Like I'm like, what do you, what do you mean mushroom burger? What like made no sense to me. But I found myself eating that at least three times a week. I was, I kid, I kid you not. Like six pack. You know what I mean? You would have thought I was trying out for a team, like back then. For real, for real. When I first moved here, for sure. You feel like your friends back home like rib you a little bit when it comes to stuff like that? Well, you said rib. What you know about ribbing? You know, just the, you, the, the, the wait, kind rib? of this man said rib, yo, yo. Is that not a is that not a thing? Well, I thought it was a New Orleans thing. That's why I didn't know. But rib, oh, this is universal. That's tight. That's tight. I think so. Yeah. No, it is. It is. So you you confirm that? But um, no, like they definitely rib. They used to rib me, but now it's funny because a lot of our friends in New Orleans are vegan. So like a lot of my homies are like, which is. Uh, amazing and I love it but like then you know we have to go to crawfish boils together then we have to go you know your mama cooks some gumbo and makes red beans and rice with hot sausage like you know what I mean it's it it's a conflict of interest overall going back to LA New York and these places that people move to to help excel their careers or whatnot I think that there is value in place I think that um, there is value in your network being your net worth, but I think more so with the internet and what we've seen in quarantine with people being able to create content from anywhere and also distribute that content multiple different places. It's up to figuring out who you're talking to and what success looks like for you before you even make a jump like that, or even think about a decision like that, because a lot of times that may be unnecessary for what your goals are. So that's like the disconnect though, right? Is, is, you know, like you said, there's so much that you can do remotely. And I suspect that probably at the beginning of the, of the pandemic, you were doing a lot of this collaboration remotely. So much of this is done through technology and like, and maybe it's overstated, but you know, obviously there is a certain element of kind of like democratization when it comes to a lot of these, a lot of these platforms. Right. So with all of that in mind, again, why is it important that you be in the same city or in the same room with everybody? Mm, because music is communal in my job. I mean, like, uh, if you're creating content, yeah, you can do that in a dungeon somewhere. But I think, and it'd be great. But when it comes to creating records, there's nothing that is comparable to being in a room with everybody and feeling the energy. Um, and you you see that in major records you see that in albums you see that in everything i think that um that is an intangible when it comes to i mean when it comes to music creation not content creation but i think that uh it depends on what you're in it for what success looks like for you you're trying to make a great album a great record um that's birthed in truth and um the community you have to be um surrounded by those people you have to be and that could be anything like if i was a pop artist or like wanted to be a pop star i would make sure that i might move to la yeah like i might move to la new york to be in a community with those people so that i understand how that works 
you know what I mean? And understand how to draft the perfect pop song, how to, what's the formula? What is, what's the feeling that I'm supposed to get from this? You know what I mean? And be there um, in real time because no man is an island. And at the end of the day, you can do all these things from, you can create all these pieces of content, but when it comes to music creation and collaboration, that there's no place like being in the same room. Were you doing that remotely though, to some degree when all this started up? Yeah. When the quarantine started up, um, definitely I was, it was a catch 22 cause I was working on my solo project. I also was working on or starting the global warming project was getting out of a label situation and switching over management to like simultaneously a lot was going on so um i wasn't having as many sessions anyway during during the start of the pandemic so i felt comfortable with sending out records to people in new orleans because i knew that nobody was really moving nobody was really mobile everybody was stuck so I think the start of the record was sending files with everybody, but quickly by April, May, uh, it became unbearable not to be in people's faces and not to be around my friends creating this music. It did, it wouldn't have translated the same and wouldn't have been as cohesive had we not been able to link up every month of this cre- creation during the quarantine. You took it as far as you as you felt like you could take it with that specific technology. Yeah, and you you could even take it like you you don't have to be in person. But I I felt like I mean because we still could have got a similar result. I just know that this is bigger than just creating content, and that's what I'm talking about once again with like making music. It's a it's a spiritual experience for me. It's a it's church like to be gathered around more like two or more of us with the same, you know, intentions um, coming together for good music. It's, it's different than trying to do that on Zoom or trying to do that on, um, you know, they have a bunch of different apps for this. Yeah. What was going on in your life at that point that you were getting out of a label situation and a management situation at the same time? It was a lot of delayed self-reflection and like holding myself accountable for things because like when you think about those two things at the same time it's like obviously um it's easy to blame people for mishaps in one's life and i i wanted to blame everybody for anything that i felt was was wrong and i i still think that everybody when you work in a team it's the team's fault it's no one individual's fault you know what i mean because our job is to make sure that we're all doing our best but i think that sometimes well in this specific instance like dealing with the label situation simultaneously while I had I had new management during this time. So like it wasn't like cold at the same time. You didn't wake up one morning and like, I need to get rid of all these people. Right, right, right. This was very gradual. But I, <laughs> but I had already switched management. The label came later where now I'm independent. Um, it was, or back independent. It was like, uh, it, it felt weird because I felt like, you know, there's nobody, there was nobody to blame. You know what I mean? And I felt like, that feeling was something that put a fire under my ass. It, it, it put me working harder than I've ever had, than I ever had in my career, I feel like, last year to make sure that certain things could come into fruition that I had talked about for years in the past, but there was this red tape or there were buffers there in terms of communication. And um, it, it, was, it was a moment of clarity for what I actually wanted and what success looked like to me. And, you know, I mean, success looked like building a community up and giving a platform to the people that helped inspire the music that I make. 
even furthermore than that, it made sense for me to make sure that if that was what is my purpose and what I feel like I need to be doing, I'm going to make sure that I'm around these people. I'm going to go fly to New Orleans. Yes, COVID is real. Yes, it's a, it could be a bad look. Like, why are you flying? That's that's not a good look. All this stuff. No, 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 no. This is, I care about this that much. You know what I mean? There, that That's not even a worry to me. You know, that's not even in my thought process. So when the label finally got solidified, when I wasn't working with them anymore, I felt relieved. I felt very, and no disrespect to them, but it was a sense of empowerment for me. And it just makes me happy as fuck right now. At least like theoretically, a label's sort of supposed to serve not only as a support structure, but also like potentially a, a, a safety net. And you, you get rid of that and you're, it's just it's just you. Yeah, but what is that safety net, right? I mean, the game is built off of smoke and mirrors. What is actually that safety net? Exactly. No deal is the same, yeah. right? Like, that's an sure. archaic way of looking at it. Like, they're a bank, but there, there's more than one bank. And there's more than one way to skin a cat, get money for this, that. You don't have... Sure, but most people don't open their own banks. <laughs> Facts. But, uh, you know, you can have your account at several. So I think that my account, it doesn't just exist with a label. It exists with, you know, partnerships, brand partnerships. It exists with grants. It exists with the state. It exists with, you know what I mean? There's multiple ways to look at this. But if you're thinking like that and you're thinking like somebody who's trying to be a major label artist and not really trying to live out or understand what their business looks like in any way, you know what I mean? You you could go that route and and see it as like oh fuck i'm like i'm done for cuz like honestly i'm i'm i know it sounds weird but i really felt free like i felt excited like i would call my friends and be like yo i'm out of that bitch i got ideas da 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 like and there's and i'm not the only person like me like i i know it, on that tip i know i'm not the only one and i think that um the sooner that people get over that idea cuz that's kind of like archaic right like just the label system being like even like a um, gatekeeper to success i think get, it, it maybe is a gatekeeper to certain rooms and certain types of looks certain types of numbers it's not the end all be all and and while i do think that it is important to like partner up with people and even that can be a label it the the relationship got to be right and my relationship wasn't right so therefore it made my decision easier not only is every deal different but obviously every artist is different and i think the thing that the label has traditionally and obviously a lot of this has changed in the past like 15 20 years but the thing that the label has traditionally provided artists is the opportunity to just focus on the music and they're like they'll handle all this other stuff over here but it sounds like you're somebody who is not only comfortable dealing with the business side of things but, but to some degree actually kind of enjoys it yeah because i put that much in into the music that i want to make sure that it's received and that everybody feels good about what we're doing every day that we're working together like, if you really are passionate about something, it is nothing. Yeah, if you're that passionate about what you do, you want to know the ins and outs of it. Like, I want to know who's pushing my music. I want to know about Michaela. I want to know about Nina. I want to know about everybody at Shorefire. I want to link with them and understand that we have core values that align so that whenever I present something to them, it, it's not taken out of context. And, you know, I think 
even furthermore on the business side, because that's more of a like social, personal side. I think even on the business side, like I want to make sure that my engineer is being paid. I want to make sure that the videographer is being paid, director is being paid. I want to make sure that this isn't, these steps aren't faltered because there was buffers in place and so-and-so said, oh, I'll take care of all this. You just do that. I do believe in putting people in position to do what they do best. And I do have management. I do have PR. I do have, I'm not trying to do that for them, but in order to fully feel fulfilled, you have to, you know, be able to live in all these spaces and understand these spaces in order to appreciate what's happening for you. Because if I exist in a vacuum where I just, you know, made this song and then it becomes a hit record or do this album and people get a lot of traction, like that may be a good feeling. And, you know, but then it's like, oh, wait, where did this come from? How did we work this together? I want to know about how, what in my music channeled this shift or this trend or because I spent hours making it, you know what I mean? I can fall in love with the idea of the magic of it, but the magic happens when I'm in the studio. After that, it's like, I wanna see how I can help it outside of the studio. And that goes in the live performance, that goes into everything, like video, everything. You know, I, I take on too much stuff. Um, I have Woo! traditionally not been great at delegating authority. And do, do you feel like there's a struggle between figuring out on one side being involved and another side not just micromanaging the shit out of everything. <laughs> yeah, dog. Like I finally learned that with global warming. I find I just learned how to do that. I just learned how so to So in do the that. past year you learned that. Yes. Basically. I never knew. Never knew. And and I think that that had me so down. Like when when like when you're trying to do everything, oh my gosh, it's it's miserable. But I think when you're when you want to be a part of everything, but you allow people the room to do what they do best, you feel so happy about everybody that you're surrounded with. And it makes you go harder in what you do. And in my case, it makes me go harder with my music because I have a team that I believe in because I understand what they all do. I talked to a lot of like sort of more traditionally structured rock bands on the show and it's not the case with all of them, but like the majority of the ones I talked to tell me that like to some degree in order to be a functioning body, it needs to be not necessarily dictatorial, but like one person needs to kind of have the vision and, and be in, in, in charge of things. So it doesn't like go in a million different directions. Do you feel right. like in the case of this collective that they're still at the end of the day needs to be one person that is kind of calling the shots? I think calling the shots. Yeah, definitely. But I don't think there needs to be one person bringing the ideas to the table because with this many artists, like the value is in the, in any creative is the ideas that you have. So I think that like, you have to respect that, but respectfully learn how to say no or respectfully show the vision to a point where everybody can understand it. And I think we've done a good job with that in terms of, you know, blending the social activism side of everything that we're, we're promoting in terms of like a few weeks ago, we just did a glass recycling drive with glass half full NOLA in which the, some of the glass, the blue glass, the sapphire blue glass was turned into these 504 beads that we have that are you know good for the environment also new orleans doesn't recycle glass so this company is the only place doing it in new orleans and which which is just ridiculous i didn't even know that until we entered into talking about this collaboration then you know i think we we have other things that are part of the climate change initiative where we, we're building a sustainable garden and not just to be solely on climate change but in a in a sense building a sense of community has been 
the big thing with global warming to the point where that is the vision. How can we make New Orleans better with every decision that we make musically, whether it's how we speak about one another in the in the music industry, whether it's how we enter into philanthropy in our communities, or overall how we uplift each other and connect each other and connect the dots for one another. And I think everybody's down on that accord to the point where calling shots is like easy, right? Like it's like, cause it's always gonna be a good look for everybody. That's that's how we all move. And that's why we're all a part of it. But I, I think that that's, you're right. And climate change is not a independent issue when it comes to New Orleans specifically. If people weren't, I assume if people weren't thinking about it before Katrina, they sure as hell were after. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, and but that's what makes it, such a crazy part of the story because it's it, it is something that's ingrained in a lot of our minds. That was a big thing with like the messaging of the record not being spot on with the the name of the group because obviously global warming was a metaphor for how the city is heating up and in terms of the artists we're all starting to buzz we're all starting to get traction and we're going to be on fire. It was it felt like our, our responsibility to do a little bit on the environmental side, not try to change the world in, in one second or be the your next greatest savior and in, in resource in climate change initiatives. That's not us. But we are able to promote and advocate for things that are better for our community. And because of that, it's, it's really like, it, it's just been beautiful because like you said, Katrina opened the eyes of millions for how disastrous climate change can be. And that's something that we all lived through. So it's already there. Like, it's just already there. Traditionally, when people think of like protest music or music as activism, it's more of a literal idea, right? It's like, you know, Bob Dylan or whoever, like, like, like singing, like singing protest songs, right? I, do, do you consider... And, and you're talking about sort of the, some of the activism that you're doing that is sort of on the periphery of, of music making as a, as a collective. Is the music itself activism? I think there's glimpses of that in the record. But I think what's more important is uh, showing your intentions through your actions. And while I do think that the music is a platform for getting out those things, I think that what's become even a bigger platform for us is these community things that we're starting to reach out and do. So in the music, in the actual record, there's uh, one song in particular that comes to mind in 95 um, that is spot on with everything political that was going on in 2020 before 45 was out. I think that it, it was heavily on on the nose in terms of advocating for all the things that I mentioned. And I think, but I do think that it's not the best way all the time to put it in the song. Uh, sometimes it's, it's better to give a little flash in a verse. And then when somebody realizes that that's what you're about, they'll see it in everything that you do in real life. And I think that that's, that's where we're trying to bridge the, the gap there. So that you could still listen to everything, not feel like it's political. But when you support us, you know that we're people that care about the community. Is there a sense that, I mean, especially like now, especially in the past year, especially when all of this horrible stuff was in our faces, whether it was, you know, politics or, you know, a, a lot of the, the shootings that were happening or, or COVID or anything else that when you want escapism, you don't necessarily want entertainment that preaches at you and you don't want necessarily want entertainment that is like, that's heavy, right? I mean, you know, a lot of times when you listen to music, you want something that's sort of going to get you out of that. 
mind space Oof. for a while. Yeah, no, I agree. That's what this does. I think it's it's definitely a breath of fresh air. You got to touch on what's happening, you know, around you. That nobody's immune to. You can't have a record. We weren't going to release a record not talking about things that are going on in the world. But at the same time, it's about our experiences and how we experience New Orleans and what it means to us. And a part of that, you know, in in real life is some of these issues that I mentioned in terms of on the more activist side. So I think that music should always be a form of, you know, taking what's already there and providing a sense of release or a sense of understanding for the listener. And I think that right now we're, we're definitely on the release side of it, <laughs> but the, the physical is where it's at, man. Yeah. I'm excited about it. So like as New Orleans and as the world eventually starts to open up, what does the immediate future look like for global warming? Good question. Definitely live, live shows. And more important than that, making sure that these live shows are um, in some way tied to the things that I just talked to you about, wanting to do things with organizations that are for the community in different ways. I think uh, one thing that we really wanted to do was build a, a sustainable garden or multiple. So we'll do that. We're gonna do a lot more glass pickups and cleanups as well and really just expand from there. Oh, also shout out to, yeah, we, we have a lot of things in, in store for community outreach. So yeah, it's gonna be done. You alluded to this before that like you're still very much working with the group. It sounded like still like in the process of, of creating and re- recording music. Is it just like maintaining that momentum, you know, sort of like striking while the iron's hot? Yeah, yeah, because everybody's inspired right now. Everybody's working on their own solo projects too. The thing that I like about global warming is everybody has their own autonomy. Nobody signed a deal. Like we're all pretty much still our own artists, but we come together for this because it's bigger than all of us. But because of the excitement in in the city, everybody is working. We're working on solidifying the dates for when we're going to start recording the second project, but we have multiple multiple records that didn't even make the record. So like we're, yeah, we're working, we're working. Having had success and then really sort of throwing yourself into this collective, are there, have there been points where it's sort of like difficult to, to check your ego at the door? Yes. Yeah. I think um, there have been, but those were kind of, I think in the initial stages, those were when I was doing more outreach to artists and understanding that sometimes some artists may not have seen how it could be a good look or how we could come together for something. And then I was like, oh, but I'm me. You know what I mean? Like, oh, why do, you don't want to work with me? Like, I care about this. Like, and you say you care about this. Like, like how can how can we not work? You know what I mean? And, and things like that, I think, really were times where I had to learn to check my ego because of what I thought was already in the air about my value added to this project. But other other than that, I think, from the from the genesis of this whole thing, I knew that I wanted to play more of a backseat and be more of the producer than the man that's like, while I am the face, whatever, at the same time, I think it was more about pushing other people ahead of me and pushing people, not ahead of me, but like up to where I'm at. I think that, that was, that's always been the goal. So in order to start this, I, I checked my ego at the door. Mm-hmm.